0: Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the roar. day his feet may fall, we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Um, Mr. Troy, would you pray for us, please?
1: Father, thank you, Lord, for this day and for bringing us all together. Thank you, Lord, for letting us survive the weather that uh, mm. came through the area, and uh, Lord that
2: everyone stayed dry, hopefully. And uh, Lord, I pray that you bless this service, and Lord, may you move amongst us in abundance uh, through your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, if there's anyone here that is not yet saved, may you save them today. Is all these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Please
0: stay standing if you can. Turn hymn books to 78. Seven, eight, higher ground. I'm pressing on the upward way New heights I'm gaining every day Still praying as I'm onward bound Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. My faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. My faith on heaven's stable land, a higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's stars. At me are hurled For faith has caught The joyful sound The song of saints On higher ground Lord lift me up And let me stand My faith on heaven's Stable land, A higher plane That I have found Lord plant my feet On higher ground I want to fill the upward Height And catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I pray till heaven I've found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith on heaven's table land. a higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for your singing. All right, we'll have Pastor come up and do announcements.
2: All right. Sorry about that. That one was a little tricky. A couple of spots there anyways. All right. Well, it's good to be here today with all of you. good to be in the Lord's house. Prayerfully, uh, you've come hoping to hear something from God. And uh, I've come hoping to be able to give you something from God. So prayerfully, that will all come to fruition. The Lord will work and minister in the service today through his word. All right, so just a couple of announcements. One, uh, if you remember from the last couple weeks, there's no men's prayer breakfast. My family and I are just going to go. What did I say? Prayer breakfast. There's no ladies meeting. That's what I meant to say. Uh, Because my family and I are just going to go away for the next few days. So uh, we'll be out of town. Uh, I won't so we're going to have our phones, but I'm not going to keep it on me. I'm going to leave it probably in the bedroom, just sit on the shelf on silent, and I'll check it a few times a day. So if there's any emergencies, uh, I will go in and see them, but I'm just just disconnecting. I don't want to be, I don't want to see my emails all day. I don't want to deal with dog stuff, you know, puppy <laughs> people all day. Just Just going to kind of. And it's, You know, that's what we have. We have puppy people.
1: <laughs> Lots of them.
2: Uh, so just not that we're not thankful for them. We just and of course, you know, I, I am here for church folks. That's why. That's really the main reason I'll have the phone is so if anybody needs anything, I have the ability to get the message. Uh, but just, you know, uh, I think get in the habit sometimes especially when we have litters of puppies go home or i'm always checking my phone because i got people contacting me all the time and i just want to put it away and just kind of clear my mind of all the the constant so uh you know those things become can become an obsession if we're not careful and uh so we're just going to take a <laughs> break from that also <coughs> uh men's prayer breakfast will be the 28th of the month so that's a saturday 30 a.m., we'll meet here, any gentlemen who can come, so I'd encourage you to be here if you can. Um, there was something else I wanted to uh, mention, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, so if it comes to me, I'll, I'll mention it at some point, but uh, I think that's all the announcements I have, nothing else pressing, right, that you can think of. All right, my brain over there in the front row. Ushers, come on down if you would. She's the organized one. Mm-hmm. I am not. It is very true. I'm a mess. That's. She keeps me straight. No, I'm just kidding. All right, Caleb, can you pray for the offering, bud? Yes,
0: sir. God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Uh, please bless the offering today, Lord. Please bless our hearts with the message that the pastor has prepared for us, Lord. Please move your spirit through us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.
2: Pastor, before the next song. Yes, sir, we have a special presentation, mm-hmm. it is pastor appreciation, at least day, if not month. Mm-hmm. And the uh, congregation was pastor on a card and they got you a little something. And some of the other folks have bought you something also. I just want you to know how loved and appreciated you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, for myself, I've probably not sat under a better pastor. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Other folks some cards and other things and uh <laughs> yeah. you bring ahead now. i just wanted to get that <laughs> now so you can regain your composure for the best part <laughs> <laughs> the reason why we're here uh, thank you everyone very much that means a lot and i am really thankful for you all and appreciate you all very very much uh, it's hard to put into words how much i love you all it really is and uh, i am very thankful for every single one of you and pray for you
1: Daily and love you all. So thank you. We love and
0: appreciate you, you too. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Too much. All right, <laughs> all right everybody, turn to hymn books to 420. Hymn number 420, day by day. Stand with me if you can. One last time. Careful.
2: Yeah. What happens when you're a little asshole? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. My belt does that sometimes, too. GMI. It doesn't really.
0: Take an eye out that way. I'm
1: happy to stay away from
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> the time to start with the suspenders, I think. Okay. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. All right. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my father's wisest moment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure, Gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, Mingling toil with love. Every day the Lord Himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares He fain would hear and cheer me. He whose name is counselor and power, the protection of each child and treasure is a charge that on himself he lay as thy days thy strength shall be in measure this the pledge to me he made help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises O lord that i lose not face sweet consolation offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meet, care to take this from my father's hand. One by one, the days are moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, everyone. All right, we'll have Pastor come up and we have a special. (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no.
2: said, "The more you do it, you get better." Morgan, that was that was awesome. Definitely, you're continuing to get better. That was a real blessing. Not that you weren't good before, but you know, you just continue. No, you've been doing great. Yeah, that that was a real blessing. I love that. We're going to be in Ephesians, chapter 6, continuing through the book of Ephesians. and I hope, you know, this study has been a real blessing to me so far. I pray it's a blessing to others, too. And, uh, you know, we're coming up on... We're getting into what is probably one of the more well-known passages in the book of Ephesians. I mean, we Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, that's, you know, well-known, that's a popular um, passage that is quoted oftentimes, and then of course we talked about the the bride and the, you know, the husband and wife, and we dealt with all that stuff, that's pretty well-known, but we're coming into the armor of God, and uh, this is something that, you know, you, you probably can find a coffee mug or a baseball hat or a t-shirt. There's all kinds of stuff out there, a, a plaque or something framed you can put on your wall all about the armor of God. So this is something that's, that's talked about often. And it is, it's talked about and it's looked at as important to the sense of it's something we have But you know what's unique about armor? Uh, You know, it's wonderful to have it. It's even better and more effective if we use it, if we put it on, and if we, it's just like a weapon, you know. Uh, I don't do a lot of deer hunting, uh, largely because I'm not very good, so it's a waste of time, but no, (laughs) I'm just kidding, you know, see, Uh, you know. and probably if I spent more time, maybe I'd get better. It's like anything, you know, you got to practice, so I need to, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm also not much of a morning person, so to get up before the sun and get out in the woods to sit there and, I mean, I'm cold, so, yes, and I probably, if I get comfortable enough, I'm probably gonna fall asleep. I don't like heights, so sitting in a tree stand is not really my thing, uh, especially if I fall asleep and fall out of the tree stand, so I mean, <laughs> You know, it's just, uh, so all, all in all, hunting is as much as I want to love it, I really do. Uh, I want to love it, It. Uh, I like it, I'm just not good at it. So I say all that to say if I go deer hunting but I leave the, the weapon that I need to actually take the deer at home, then it doesn't do me much good. If I go to battle and uh, I, as a soldier and I leave my rifle at home or my sidearm at home or whatever it might be, then I'm not going to be much of a soldier, am I? Well, as Christians, fighting in the Lord's army, I'm not much good if I don't have my armor and I don't have or know how to wield my weapon. So, uh, you know, this, this next couple weeks is going to deal a lot with those types of things. And I'm getting well into the introduction and we haven't even read the scripture yet, so let's do that first. Let's stand together. Uh, I don't want to... So the, the screen says Ephesians 6, 10-13, we're probably covering 10-12, to 12, uh, but let's read the whole uh, Armor of God passage here and then we'll pray and be seated and then I'll continue with what I was talking about before. that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you once again for your word. Thank you for our church, our church family, Lord. Uh, we truly are blessed, and I do with all my heart believe we have the best church uh, around. Lord, the best church in the world. I, just, I love our church, and I'm thankful for every single person here. And Lord, I just pray that this morning as we consider this passage of Scripture, I pray that you would touch our hearts, you'd touch our lives, Lord, that you would apply your word to our hearts in such an important passage of Scripture. Uh, Because in truth, we do fight a spiritual battle every single day. And so many Christians, I think, Lord, we go into the daily battle unequipped and unprepared. And Father, this passage of Scripture helps us to see the weapons, the defenses that we have to fight this daily battle. And Lord, I just ask you to help us, Lord, to see some of the things that will be a help to us every single day. And Lord, I pray you bless our time. I pray in all of it you'd be honored and glorified and pleased. And Lord, we just thank you for all you do for us. We love you and ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, in this passage, we see a bit of what we deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, God gives us some understanding as to the, the daily battle that we fight, the wrestling that we have to do. You know, I think sometimes we forget because we go out into our daily lives and we deal with, a, with an employee or employer or a customer, maybe we have a disagreement or a fight with our spouse, we're dealing with, uh, you know, the uh, just circumstances of life we're wrestling with our bank account and having to trying to pay our bills. I mean, we wrestle with all these different things. We look at what's going on in the world or what's taking place in the United States and we get frustrated and angry and we get, uh, you know, really I'm going to call it, Uh, distractions. We are distracted by all these different things, and we fight, we fight the wrong enemy. We really do. The scriptures say we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and yet the majority, if we're honest with ourselves, the majority of the wrestling we do is against flesh and blood. The majority of the cares that we have on a day-to-day basis, the things that our minds are filled with and, and frustrated with are flesh and blood. But we miss the real battle. And the rest assured, I don't know if that's the right sa- thing to say because we probably don't want to rest in it, but it's all by design because our adversary loves nothing more than to consume Christians' minds and lives with things that in eternity matter very little. Mm -hmm. He loves nothing more than to have us riled up over all those things, and stirred up, and focused, and, and, and have our lives consumed with all those things, when in reality what matters is what we do for eternity. That's what really matters. Not this situation, or that situation, or it doesn't matter. It's flesh and blood. And the battle's not really against flesh and blood. In fact, if we're having a problem with this person or that person, more likely than not, it's not a flesh and blood problem, it's a spiritual problem. And, you know, thankfully we have someone who can and wants to help us with that. And maybe he's not going to fix everybody's problems, but maybe he can just fix our problems. Mm -hmm. Maybe he can fix our heart. And we can handle the situation in a godly way instead of in a, in a wrong way, so I think there's some important things. We're not going to get very far through all that we read today because uh, I don't want to get too far ahead. And uh, but there are some things in just these first few verses that I guess we'll say till the soil for the planting that I think God wants to do uh, in those verses dealing with the uh, the armor of God. So verse number ten begins, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So the first task at hand for us is to be simply strong in the Lord. Soldiers are more effective fighting a battle if they don't look like me, and they're not carrying around the extra, extra weight, and they're in shape to be able to climb a mountain, or run across a battlefield uh, without passing out, I mean, or having a heart attack. It's like, don't do much fighting if I die on my way to the battle, you know? I mean, just, uh, soldiers are much more effective if they are conditioned, that's why basic training in the military is, you know, focused so heavily on just getting the new soldiers into shape, getting them into conditioning because they know should they have to go to battle their chances of survival and their effectiveness is much better if they are fit for the battle. So as Christians if we want to be fit for the battle we've got to be strong in the Lord. Uh, We need to not be physically fit, although there's value in that, to be healthy, but we need to be spiritually fit uh, because if we are not then we are not equipped as thoroughly as we can be to battle our adversary, to battle our enemy. Uh, 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. if you'll flip over here uh, with me. Oops. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. It says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. So, fast literally means to set, to be stopped, to be fixed, or to be pressed closed. It means to be sealed up. It means to be fixed and unmovable, to be stopped where we're at. So we are to stand Fast, firmly planted, stopped, set, fixed in the faith. We need to be unwavering in the faith. And if we let the enemy get in our heads, if we let the enemy deceive us, then we are not standing fast in the faith. We will be uh, movable. We will waver. And then the next thing it says, Watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. Well, not like most modern men. That's not the quitting it's talking about. Most modern men quit on the wrong things. Uh, And the Bible does use the word quit in two different ways. One is to actually stop doing something. The other is what this means, to carry through. It's interesting because the two meanings almost are the opposite, and yet it's the same word. To carry through, to do or perform something to the end. In a sense, it's not really the opposite because if you do something to the end to where it's complete, then it's time to quit doing it, right? Because it's done. So that's the kind of quit that this is talking about. Quit you like men. Don't give up before the task is completed. Mm. Don't stop until it is fully done. Uh, Do it until nothing remains. For us, that is until there no longer remains any breath in our lungs. That's when it's time for us to stop living for the Lord. In Bible times, many times the the men who were strong, considered strong, considered soldiers, they would fight until they either died or the battle was done. They didn't give up. They didn't flee. I mean... Thinking of David's mighty men, I forget the name of the one that it, he, he fought and he fought and he fought all day long, and it said at the end of the day, his hand clave unto his sword. They had to literally pry his hand off the sword because he couldn't let go of it on his own. He had held onto that thing so tight, so hard, and fought all day to the point his hand locked up and he couldn't even let go in his own will. That's how we need to cleave unto the Lord. To where we couldn't let go if we even wanted to. First uh, Samuel 4.9 gives us another example of this word quit. It says, Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. That's what they're told to do. So to quit like men means to go to the battle. So we're to watch. You know, it tells us to watch because we're to keep our eyes out. We're to pay attention and be aware that we have an adversary and that he is going to attempt to cause us to lose in this battle. Watch, stand fast in the faith, uh, quit you like men. And the last thing it says is to be strong. Much like... what we already read. So if we go over to Ephesians 3, 16, we're back in Ephesians, but not quite into our text yet. Ephesians 3 and verse 16 <clears throat> says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. This is, this is Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. Actually, if we jump up in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. This verse goes quite well with our passage that we're we're in over in Ephesians 6. The only way to be strong in the Lord is to be strong in the inner man. That's where true spiritual strength is found. It's the inner man. It's not the outer man. And I say that, I intend to say this, it is important that, I believe it's important that we look like a Christian. But whether or not we look like a Christian, people can fake it. It's important to sound like a Christian. But whether or not we do or not, people can fake it. So it's not very many people who don't look and sound the part that are, but there can be people who look and sound the part that are not. That's more likely. Now I'm not saying necessarily that it's always a salvation issue as much as people look and sound the part, but their, their relationship with God is not what it ought to be. The inner man is weak and not strong. And when that is the case, we're not going to fare well in the battle because the enemy is strong. The enemy is powerful. We're going to see that in a moment. So uh, how do we build strength? First, we build strength as we grow and mature. Naturally, an 18-year-old is much stronger than a 2-year-old. I mean, that's just how it works. When we first get saved, we're spiritually immature. We're spiritually weak. As we get older in the faith, we should get stronger. Not saying that it always happens that way, but we should. So there's a second part to that, and that is doing exercise. Now, I'm not saying physical exercise necessarily. First Timothy 4:8 says, for bodily exercise profiteth li- little. <laughs> now, speaking to myself here, it doesn't say it doesn't profit at all. I already said there is value to being healthy. Taking care of our bodies, the Lord's given them to us, we ought to take care of them. And I clearly have not been doing my job at that lately, Uh, but we we should take care of them. And you know, for me, here's where it convicts me, is if I don't take care of myself and my life on this earth is shortened because I'm not taking care of myself, that's less time I get to serve the Lord. Uh, If I do take care of myself and because of that I get an extra five or ten years, that's more time I get to live for Him in the present. So that's where I find it I know it's valuable for me to take good care of myself. Uh, There's an area where I haven't been very strong where I've been pretty weak obviously. Uh, So how do we build strength? Uh, So I didn't read the rest of the verse. For bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things. So while the physical exercise has value but it's small value Godliness has great value, and, and it's valuable in all things, not in just one or two areas. Every area of our life is profited by, a godly, by living a godly life. Everything we do is profited by living a godly life. Every person we interact with, every relationship that we have, every person we have influence over, it is profitable for them if we are living a godly life. Well, how do we do that? By building strength in the inner man. All right. So, I've skipped over a bunch of notes and I don't know that I'm going to get into all of them, but you know, we think of exercise and strength, we think of weightlifting. So, if I'm going to lift weights to get strong physically, some value. But spiritually, we can exercise as well. Um, You know, we used to have a man in the church, he would say, you know, sharing the gospel is like an exercise. Uh, He said, our ability to witness to someone is a muscle. He said, if we'd ever use it, it gets weak, and it'll build atrophy, and we won't use it at all. But if we are faithful to do it, we get better at it. We get stronger at it. Well, it's the same thing. Reading our Bible, we could use the same, we could use the same thing. Uh, I read something uh, this morning. I was skimming through a book that I, I'm going to bring on vacation with me. And it's about the Bible. And it said, it was talking about one man who said that, you know, a lot of times we don't have understanding of the Bible. And he said, and we're intimidated by it. Therefore, we don't read it. And we'll never gain an understanding of the Bible. If we don't read it, we're never going to understand it. It's never going to happen. But when I read it, I don't understand it. Keep reading it. You know, that, that's, that's how we, we will gain knowledge is if we continue reading. Just like when I start reading, if I, I don't really read for fun, you know, entertainment anyways. But if I take a book that is just a, a fun uh, fiction novel and I start reading it, I'm never going to know what happens in the rest of the book if I stop reading after the second chapter. Well, we might read through this one time and not get a lot of information from it. But when we read it the second time, we get a little more. And the third time, we get a little more. And I know I've shared this before. I had, uh, We had a woman, uh, we called her Nana. She was kind of like a mom to my dad after his mom passed away. And she was, I would say, she was the godliest lady I've ever known. You know, I just know she she walked with God. and. Every time we'd go over there, she'd usually have preaching on the TV. And it's not always people that I would necessarily, you know, listen to now. Back then, I didn't really know better. But she always had preaching on. Uh, I mean, nothing real bad, okay? Nothing too, too out of this world. And then she would have her Bible open, and the thing was full of highlights and notes written. And you'd go up to the top of her stairs, and there was a bookshelf with a bunch of, I mean, there had to have been at least 20 Bibles that were just worn out. They were just so they were overfull with notes and highlights, and and the binding was falling apart. So she just retired all these old Bibles. As someone who really has a walk with God, and her husband had passed years before, and while she was sad and missed him, she consumed herself in the Lord. And we couldn't go there. I remember over and over and over again, uh, Dad would get after us about something, and Anna would always, you know, Dan. Now Dan. Or he was worried about something. Now, Dan, you know it's a sin to worry? You know, she was preaching all the time. I mean, not sermons, but she was always... And that was because she walked with God. And I believe she would do that to him because she loved him, and she also recognized in herself that every time she worried. That was what God would prick her heart about. Now, Jenny, that was her name, Virginia, it's a sin to worry. So she would stop worrying, or at least work at it, because she knew, and just... That was the kind of relationship she had with the Lord, and it's the kind of relationship we all should have with the Lord. That we are strong in Him. That our life is consumed in Him. If we don't do it now, rest assured, for all of eternity, our life is going to be consumed in Him. We might as well practice now and get strong at it now. So, if we don't exercise, we are physic, or we if we don't physically exercise, we become weak. If we don't spiritually exercise. We will be spiritually weak. Now let me say this, knowledge and strength are not the same thing. There are people who know a ton of information, but knowing it is not the same as living it. Knowing it is not the same as believing it. You may know this Bible in and out, forwards and backwards, but if it's not being applied and lived in your life then there's not the spiritual strength there that is available. You already have the tools if you've got the knowledge. You just got to claim it and live it and apply it. Uh, Just like with physical exercise. Someone can know all the workouts, can know all the exercises, can know all the dieting and the right way to eat, and can go to the gym, and he's not going to be as strong as a bodybuilder even though he has all the knowledge because he hasn't put in the exercise. He hasn't put in the work. Well, spiritually, we can have the knowledge, but if we don't live it, if we don't practice it, then we are not strong. So, so yes, taking care of our body is important. Clearly, uh, yeah, I already said all that. So, we want to be spiritually strong. Here we go. Second Timothy 2 one. Second Timothy 2.1. 2 Timothy 2.1. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Then Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I put that in there since we already looked at it. So it's through his spirit, it's God's grace through his spirit that we can be made strong. And then we have his might. It says over in our Ephesians passage, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're going to see in a moment that our enemies are powerful. Well, our God is more powerful. We are going to see that our enemies have authority. Well, our God has more authority. You know, when the Bible says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It is true. So while our enemy is strong, while our enemy has power, while our enemy has might, our enemy has authority, the God who is in us, who dwells within us, is far more of all those things than all the enemies that we face. And, you know, we often talk about Satan as our enemy. We mentioned in Sunday School this morning, he's not the only devil on this earth. There are many enemies. There are many adversaries. The devil and all the other devils, Satan and all the other devils or demons, whatever you want to call them, that are on this earth. But you know what? Our God is more powerful than all of them combined. All the angels of heaven could decide they're going to team up with Satan. And you know what? Our God is still infinitely more powerful than all of them. And they haven't done that. They're not going to do that. Uh, But they could, and our God is still infinitely more powerful. And I don't know about you, but that gives me, that gives me, Strength. (laughs) That gives me uh, encouragement to know just how mighty our God is. Well, how mighty is he? Well, look at Revelation 1.8 with me. And I decided to just put one reference here because I do want us to eat lunch sometime today. (laughs) But there are a number of references we could go to. Revelation 1.8 says... I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And that Almighty means that He holds all the might in His hands. There is no one more mighty than our God. So when the Bible says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, we can do that through faith, by His grace, and exercising the spiritual muscles that God has given us, uh, putting on the armor of God, learning to wield the weapons that he's given us, he wants to and will give us strength to fight in the battle that we face every single day. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'm going to... Well, actually, we'll just say this happened. And it's not, I'm not saying it's going to. I don't think it's going to. I think it would be foolish for anybody to do this. But we'll just say... A foreign enemy invades the United States through the coast of the state of Maine. Uh, Don't freak out and get scared and not be able to sleep tonight or anything. Uh, It's not happening. But if it were to happen, what would we do? Would we all hunker down in our houses and say, well, hopefully they don't come to my house? (laughs) Right. Would we grab all of our... Uh, You know, I'm sure we only have weapons for hunting, so would we grab all of our hunting rifles and just like, and the the few rounds that we have on the shelf and head to Belfast or wherever, Rockland or wherever they're coming from and say, well, I'm going to, you know what we would do? Here's what I'm thinking we would do. We would collect all the resources, anything that makes sense that it would help us A, to defend our family and our home, and B, to help us to survive every resource we possibly have. We would gather them and we would do what we needed to do to survive. Why is it any different for us in our spiritual battle? The enemy is invading our homes. The enemy is invading our minds. The enemy is invading our churches. He is attacking us. And if our home was invaded by an enemy we would do everything we could to survive and to be victorious in the fight that we have to fight. But when it comes to spiritual things, the enemy has us convinced that if we just block it out and pretend it's not happening, then then we'll be okay. I just, if I don't think about it, if I don't worry about it, if I don't... But the reality is there is a battle raging every single day. And if we don't fight the good fight of faith, as the Apostle Paul said he did, then we are going to find ourselves unprepared, and we are going to find ourselves taken captive by the enemy. Uh, just uh, was it Saturday morning, I think, when Israel was attacked, and uh, I think they said about 5,000 missiles launched into Israel from uh, Hamas, and they also invaded with ground troops, and they took Israelites prisoner. They have several Israeli prisoners that were just in their homes, didn't Know it was coming, but the enemy attacked, and I, I, I don't believe that's going to happen here in America, not anytime soon, probably not in our lifetimes, if ever, okay? The Lord will probably come back before, I, I don't know, but spiritually, it's happening every day. People are being taken captive. The enemy is launching the attack, people are being caught off guard because we're not watching, we're not strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might. We don't have on the armor of God, and we don't know how to wield our weapons, so we are outmatched, outgunned. All right, verse 11 of our passage here in Ephesians. It says, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This one won't take as long as the last one. Uh, But Genesis chapter 5, flip back to Genesis 5 with me. Genesis chapter 5 verse 24. Oops, sorry. There you go. It's on the screen. 5:24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. All right. Well, the next one's on the screen. 2nd Chronicles 6:14. And said, "O Lord, God of Israel, there is no god like thee in the heaven, nor in the earth which keepest covenant and showest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. All right, still in Ephesians. Here we go. We're going to do a quick run through a few verses in Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 10. I think you'll, you'll catch the theme here in a second. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should, what's that word? Walk. walk in them. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Same chapter, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, what's that word? Walk, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. We're to walk differently than those that are not Christians. Chapter 5, verse 2, And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The last verse we'll look at is verse 8 of the same passage, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we see the Lord wants us to walk a certain way. A, He wants us to walk with Him. B, He wants us to walk for Him. And He's given us uh, an abundance of instruction on how to do that and what that looks like in His Word. Well, what do we have to do first before we can walk? We have to stand. This verse says, For we, uh, no, verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What's the devil want to do with all of his trickery, with all of his attacks, with all of his uh, traps that he sets? He wants to knock us down so we can't stand, because if we can't stand, then we can't walk. And the Lord tells us over and over and over again, countless times throughout his word, that he wants us to walk with him. That he wants us to walk for him. So if the enemy can knock us down, then he will take our ability to walk as God has commanded us to away. That's what he ultimately wants to do. He wants to make it so we cannot walk. Notice the verse says to put on the whole armor of God. What happens if we leave a piece of armor off? We, we are vulnerable. And in an, in an area we don't need to be. Because God has prepared armor to protect all of the vital parts of our spiritual life. So if we leave one piece of that armor off, we leave ourselves vulnerable. Whether it's our heart, our mind, the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts. If we leave one piece off, loins girt about with truth, we're going to believe lies. What is while? It says, stand against the wiles of the devil. While is a trick or stratagem, practice for ensnaring or deception, deceiving. You know one of Satan's favorite tricks? He used it back on Eve in the garden. Yea, hath God said to cause doubt or question in regards to the Word of God. I read something else in that book I was looking at this morning. Anything... Anything in this world that is used to cause doubts or, or uh, hinder our faith when it comes to believing this book is from the enemy. It is from Satan. Anything. Another word that we see in the Bible used several times is beguile. That means to elude by craft. 2 Corinthians 11.3 references that word in regards to Satan. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. Nope, that is not the verse. Oh, it might be if I go to 2 Corinthians. Hang on. I'm in the wrong Corinthians. 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3. There we go. But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent, we know Satan came to Eve in the form of a serpent, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Satan is beguiling. He's crafty. He's tricky. He has many wiles. You uh, remember that cartoon, The Wiley Coyote? He was a tricky little dog, wasn't he? And that's why he got that name, The Wiley Coyote. I knew he was a coyote, but a coyote's still a dog. That's why I said that. Um, he was not very successful, but he always survived, just like the devil. <laughs> no matter how many times he gets beat, he still comes back again. Who knew he was a coyote? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It also says that the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. You know, a lot of times we think of an attack being in your face, being brash, being obvious, like missiles, uh, like the enemy marching on you with his weapons, but it's not that way with this enemy. He's sneaky. He's more like an assassin. You don't always see him coming. That's why we need to be watching. He's tricky. He is... uh, He is not a fun enemy to have, but he is our enemy, and we just have to accept that and take proper measures to try to win or not try. We can win. In reality, we've already won. The war is won. It's the daily battles that we are fighting. Ephesians 4.14, sorry I didn't put that one on the screen, there you go, Ephesians 4.14, Here's what what Satan wants us to do. With his wiles, with his beguiling, with his subtleties, as believers in Christ and in the Word of God, he wants to do what Ephesians 4.14 says, uh, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. He wants to deceive us. He wants us to stay babes. He wants us to be tossed to and fro and carried about with all these wrong doctrines and these new things that come along in order to keep us from doing what God really wants us to do, walk with Him. Verse 12, this is our final verse here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you meditate on that too much, it gets, gets kind of eerie. It's kind of it's creepy. It can almost be a little scary if you get dwelling on it too much. Not because we don't have power, and that's what we need to dwell on, is the fact that our God is more powerful than our enemies. Not on how powerful our enemies are. But if we try to wrestle... flesh and blood, we're not powerful enough to defeat him. He is. That's why we need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That's why we need to put on the whole armor of God. All right. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians 10. Make sure I get the right Corinthians this time. We've heard this phrase that we wrestle not against flesh and blood before. It wasn't all that long. It doesn't say exactly the same, but it's along the same lines. Beginning verse 3 For though we walk in the flesh, here's where we struggle sometimes to make this, to get this. We walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So what to, what, is, what is this saying? It's repeating, or maybe Ephesians actually was quoting Corinthians, that we are not fighting a physical battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. And while I have no problem with physical weapons, because we do have uh, physical enemies too sometimes, uh, I just hope we don't spend... More time equipping ourselves and learning how to use the physical weapons than we do the spiritual weapons. Uh, you know, I'm 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 for defending our home and defending our family, but the likelihood of us ever having to do that is pretty small. But the likelihood of having to fight the spiritual battles is guaranteed. And and if, by chance, we ever have to defend ourselves physically, probably if any one of us have to do it once in our lifetime, that's, that's probably about as much as it's going to happen. But we all will have to fight a spiritual battle daily, every single day, every single one of us. There is no chance we get out of it unless we just let him knock us down and stay there. Man, he, might, he might leave us alone for a little while. So we need to become experts at putting on and wielding our God-given spiritual weapons. If we didn't get it before, this verse makes it very clear the spiritual battle is going to be a difficult one. It uses the word principality. It means sovereignty or supreme power. And it's not talking about a president or a governor or a king on the earth. It said... That we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. So that is spiritual principalities. There's a hierarchy in the spiritual world. I suppose Satan would be somewhere along the top on the dark side, if you will. I mean, it says rulers of the darkness of this world. Uh, And then there's a hierarchy among the other devils. And, you know, the more godly we become, the better we get at putting on our armor and wielding our weapons, the greater the enemies are going to be that attack us. I wish I could encourage you and say, if you get better and you get stronger, the battles will get easier. But that doesn't really happen. It, I would be I would be preaching a, what's that word? Uh, heresy, I want to say prosperity gospel. There we go. Just be this this. Well, yeah, just do this and everything's going to get easy. I wish I could say it does. You know what? It will. It will get easy when we see him and we are like him. (laughs) You know, when we see him as he is for we are like him. When we get our glorified bodies and we are with him for the rest of eternity, it will be easy. But on this earth, it's not. And I, I would be lying to you if I said getting stronger... So maybe you're sitting there going, well, then why do I want to do it? (laughs) Why am I going to get stronger if the battles are going to get harder for doing it? Well, you want to walk, right? And the only way to continue walking with God is to grow. If we're not growing, then we're standing still. And if we're standing still, Satan's still happy. We're ultimately not fulfilling God's plan for our lives. He wants us to grow. So we need to walk. So... Principalities are spiritual, we're wrestling against them. These principalities and powers make up the rulers of the darkness of this world. In our Ephesians 2, Ephesians passage, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know, before we were saved, we were Satan's. He had us. The Bible says we were his children. (laughs) He says you are of your father the devil. That's what the Bible says. And you know what? He's not very happy that we're no longer his children. We are the Lord's children. And Satan... I mean, I hate to say it, but he, he wants us back. Now, he can't take our salvation, but he can take our testimony. He can take our family. He can take our marriage. He can take our minds. He can take our focus. He can take our work that God wants for us to do for him. He can take a lot of things from us, not our salvation, but he can take a lot of things from us, and he wants to. And if we let him, he will. So, what do we need to do? We need to do what the Scripture is telling us. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. And we need to be able to stand, remain standing through the attack so we can continue walking and moving forward for our Savior. Isaiah 14, 13 says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will... This is Satan, okay, not us. But this is, this is Satan's sin and pride. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. Whoops, hang on. There we go. I put it on the screen for you. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. This was Satan's attitude towards God. He wanted to be above him. He wants to be higher than him. So he wants to take his children away from him as much as he can. He wants to take what belongs to him. Another passage we're quite familiar with, 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We don't have to turn there, but Ezekiel 28 tells us that Satan was the anointed cherub. He had a position, a high position. Uh, he was the anointed cherub. He was the highest of the angels, the most beautiful of the angels. And because of how beautiful he was, he thought he was something special. And that's when his pride began to set in, when he began to see he was better than the other angels. The only one higher than him was God. So he thought, well, I should be higher than him too. In the end, God's description of him in that passage, of his sin and pride, was also judgment that God has planned for him. Here's where we need to be careful. We're gonna turn to one more passage, and I'm and I'm wrapping up. Oh, actually, no, you don't need to turn there. I have it in here. So, two more verses, two more passages. Ezekiel twenty-eight, nineteen. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. This is speaking to Satan. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Satan is a terror and he is nothing else but. Don't let him be a terror in your life. We can have victory over him. If we let him have control of our life, Ezekiel 33 tells us what will be. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show, me, uh, they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. This was God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, telling him, essentially, when Satan gets a foothold in people's lives, when they are not doing what we just read about, he's gonna get their their minds, their thoughts, get a hold of their lives. And here's the thing, they might look right, come to church, dress the part, behave the part on the outside, but this is what people will become. They'll hear the words that are being preached, they'll hear the words that are being read from the Word of God, but they won't do them. And you know, as Christians who live in the Laodicean age, I think there's a lot of that that takes place. I'm not pointing fingers here saying the people in our church are that. Uh, I don't know. God knows. You know. But I think a lot of people who claim the name of Christ, that's what they are. They give God lip service and not life service. They say with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. They're consumed with this world and what it has to offer instead of being consumed with their Savior. And, you know, sadly, that is the story of Christianity in our age. It doesn't have to be your story or my story, but that is the story of the majority of Christianity in our age. You know, uh, Sunday afternoons, we're studying Revelation. I'm wrapping up with this. I'm I'm about done. And today, we're going to start... Last week we talked about the church at Ephesus and the letter and how it applies to that first-century church at Ephesus and to us. For the next week or two, we're going to talk about uh, the history, uh, the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The doctrinal or the uh, uh, come on the prophetic application of that text. Each of the seven letters in Revelation two and three, I believe, picture a period of church history for the last couple thousand years. The church at Ephesus is the early. A.D. 33 to 200, so it's like the early church, right after the time of Christ. Well, the last letter to the church is the church at Laodicea, and every one of these churches' names means something. The church at Laodicea, if I remember correctly, when we get there I'll make sure I got it right, but it was the people's rights. That's what Laodicea means, the people's rights. And that's what Christianity in our day is all about is everyone wants to make sure they get what they deserve. They want to make sure that they are treated fairly. Want to make sure that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm taken care of and that my needs are met. and that I, It's all about me. That's where that's going. It's all about me. And when we read the church at Laodicea there in Revelation chapter 3, that's what we see. You believe you're rich and increased with good. And you think you have need of nothing. But he says, you don't know that you're wretched and poor, and I forget all the things he says, but it ain't pretty. (laughs) But sadly, 21st century Christianity is all about self. Well, I'd encourage us, let's make it all about Christ. Mm -hmm. Let's make it all about him. Take the focus off of me and make it about him. All right, so... Daily battle. We're not going to probably fight just one every day. We will fight many every day. God has given us the tools. He's given us the armor. He's given us the weapons. Probably starting next week, we will get into more of those. I'll talk about this more next week, but in that next verse, he says that we'll be able to stand in the evil day. You know what the evil day is? The previous chapter, chapter five, I forget the exact verse, but we'll look at it next week, says, Redeeming the time for the days are evil. I believe it's every day. That's what it's saying. Every day is evil. We're going to face evil every single day, and we want to be able to stand in today's evil. And tomorrow, we'll be needing to stand, and tomorrow will be today when we're there tomorrow.
1: <laughs>
2: All right, let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to preach it and proclaim it. And Lord, uh, this passage had some incredible truth, but also some convicting truth. I know, and I'll speak for myself, I can get better. I can be stronger. I can know more. I can be more effective and efficient and better equipped to put on the armor and wield the weapons that you have provided for us. And Lord, I suspect if I can grow and get better, then we all can. And in reality, if I ever think that I don't need to grow and get better, then I probably shouldn't be standing behind the pulpit anymore. We can continually, until the day we leave our, our, breathe our last breath, we can be continuing to grow and mature as Christians and as Christian soldiers. And Lord, I pray we understand that we do have an enemy that we are fighting. And I pray we also understand that we have God in us. And because you are in us, greater is he that is in you that is in us than he that is in the world lord there is great power for us to have that great power available to us great strength in the inner man we have to learn to access your power your strength and lord i pray that you'd help us to do that i pray as we consider this passage over the next couple few weeks i pray you'd help us to To see that we can access this power, we just need to learn how to. And I pray, Lord, that we would be motivated and burdened to do just that. That over the the next years of our lives, we would invest time and energy and make it a priority to grow and to learn how to be the Christian you want us to be. I pray we'd make our life not about me, but about you. Before we close the prayer this morning, is there anyone that would slip up their hand and say, Pastor, I can't say with 100% certainty that when I breathe my last breath, I know that I will be with Jesus Christ. I'm not confident of it. I don't know it. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip up your hand? How about Christians? You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe you'd say, between you and God, I need to do a better job. I need to learn. I need to recognize this battle that we're fighting every day. Maybe between you and God, you'd say, I have been focused on so many things, except the most important thing, my Savior living the life that He wants me to live, fighting the battles that He wants me to fight. I've fought all these other things, but I need to be fighting the spiritual battle. The you know, most effective place we can fight them is on our knees. We need to know our Bibles more. I'd say there's no maybe about that. We all could stand to learn our Bibles, know our Bibles more. I can. Let's just take a couple minutes and give folks a little time to pray and just ask God to help with whatever we need help with. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the many blessings you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we read the prayer that Paul had for the church, that we would be strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man. pray we'd be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, that we would learn to and be consistent and diligent to put on the whole armor of God. And Lord, as we continue studying this passage. I pray you'd continue to equip us and help us to know better how to do that. Lord, I just pray you'd help us to fight these battles that we fight on a daily basis and recognize the nature of them, that they are spiritual, not flesh and blood, but spiritual battles, and they need to be fought spiritually with your strength and your power, your might. Lord, And I just pray you'd help us to do that. Lord, I pray you bless The food to our bodies next door. Bless the fellowship. Thank you once again for our church family. We pray that you'd bless and work in our midst. We love you and ask these things and pray them all in Jesus' name. Amen.